We've spent the last few months going through Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians. And today it's my pleasure to be able to finish off that letter. We're going to finish off our series today. And in today's passage, what we're going to see is Paul majoring in on something that I think we really need to give us a good balance uh, in how we look at this letter and also in, uh, in our Christian lives as a whole. And to see that then, as we finish the letter today, we're going to start by looking back over the letter uh, to review what's gone before and get our heads back into what we've seen already. And for those of you who haven't been here for any of the talks or many of the talks so far, it gives you a chance to catch up too. Now, last time I spoke in this series, I spoke about work and I focused in on paid work and on our jobs. Um, But actually, the idea of work much more broadly has been all over this letter uh, from the very start. And so to get our heads back in the game, I've got a little exercise for you. Um, How many references to work can you find in this letter? Now, I don't just mean by that. Uh, the word, actual word work in your translation, uh, but a word that means roughly the same thing, any reference to something around work. Now, what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you a minute or so uh, to look in your Bible. So you need a Bible or a phone or a computer with a Bible on and just find as many references as you can to work in the letter of 1 Thessalonians. Got it? Good. Off you go. See you in a moment. Put your pens down. How many references to work did you find in the book of 1 Thessalonians? Let's see. Let's see how you did. Let's play some Bible verse bingo, shall we? You can tick them off as as we go. Did you get uh, the one at the beginning, chapter 1, verse 3? Depends a little what translation you're looking at here. But in the NIV, it talks of work produced by faith, labour prompted by love, endurance inspired by hope. There's pretty much three ticks there for you. Work labour, endurance, all referring to human effort uh, in that way. Right at the start of the letter, Paul said these things are really important. Um, What about chapter two? Chapter two, verse nine. Don't you remember how hard we worked among you? Night and day we toiled. One of the themes of this letter, I guess, is that Paul's saying you should imitate us, imitate me, Paul's saying, imitate the other apostles. And he also uh, encourages the Thessalonians to be those who others can imitate. And one of the areas that he wants them to imitate is in his hard work, in his toil. Chapter four, verse 11. I spoke on it last time. Work with your hands. Uh, Paul encourages the Thessalonians. Into chapter five, chapter five, verse 12. Respect those who work hard among you. Again, in the NIV, uh, not just that uh, to emulate Paul as, as he works hard, that they should work hard, but also the leaders in their church who work hard. It's their hard work that, that should get respect. Uh, and the flip side of that, chapter five, 14, a bit of a cheat because it's kind of the opposite of work but warn those who are lazy or those who are idle in a different translation again it's just enforcing this idea in this letter a high work ethic is expected and commended throughout now it seems as we look at all these things and there could be some others we might come back to some later actually um, that you've got but it seems that Paul's view is that the Christian life necessarily involves work and actually pretty hard work a lot of the time. Now, what could that be? Well, we know that from other bits of the Bible. It could be work to resist temptation, uh, work to build good habits into our lives, work to love others, to pour ourselves out for others, work to build up the church community, work on our friendships, on our marriages, on our parenting, and of course, our, our paid work, work in our jobs too. Paul's basic message in 1 Thessalonians seems to be this. 
Well done, Thessalonians. You've worked really hard. Now keep working. And when I put it as starkly as that, you might kind of shrink back from that. I think, well, there's a, there's a potential danger of taking that line. I mean, when, when we've often worked hard, what we want to hear is, well done, you've worked really hard. Now take a break. Have, have Stop. That's not the message of this, of this letter. It's keep going. Keep, you're doing well. Keep working. And there is an obvious danger if that was the only message that you heard from this letter. Because you can't just keep working forever. Overwork is a thing, isn't it? Drivenness is bad. Burnout is a real danger for us. We have to take that seriously. And therefore, while life may be hard work, and maybe the Christian life is particularly hard in that regard, that might just be how it is, I don't think we can just leave it at good work, keep working. There needs to be some balance here. Now, there are different ways of of balancing this message. And uh, one is to advise good patterns of uh, rest in your lives of work. And the Bible does this, uh, obviously, loads and loads. In the Old Testament, weekly days of rest and holidays were enforced, actually, at pain of death. That is how seriously uh, the, the um, rest is taken in the Bible. But that's actually not the balance that Paul offers in the letter of 1 Thessalonians. Yes, of course, please, rest build good patterns of rest into your life. That's really important. But it's not just about actually finding rest from work. I think it's about finding rest in work as well. And by that, I mean finding satisfaction and even joy within the work itself. And this is the balance that we see Paul bring at the end of this letter. And so I'm going to read the last verses, uh, chapter 5, verses 19 to 28. And I want again to see, can you spot, I think there's two verses in particular here uh, that helps us in this whole area, giving us a balance to this, keep working, keep working, keep working. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen for he who calls you is faithful. Dear brothers and sisters, pray for us. Greet all the brothers and sisters with a sacred kiss. I command you in the name of the Lord to read this letter to all the brothers and sisters. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Did you spot it? Did you see the secret to keeping working without being overwhelmed by work? I want to read it to you again. I think it's found in verses 23 and 24. Just soak this in. We're going to soak this in a load of times today. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen. For he who calls you is faithful. So, Paul has spent this this whole letter encouraging the Thessalonians to work hard. But here he reveals the secret, not just actually to keep going without burning out, but actually to keep going while knowing joy in this. And I think there are two big reveals in these verses that I want to flesh out for us in the time we have left. And the first one is this. It is not just us that's working. God is working, too. As you read through the book of Thessalonians, you might come across a verse like uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1, where, where Paul writes, live to please God and do it more and more. 
And that more and more comes up a few times in, in this book. Do this and then do it more and more. And you think, okay, live to please God. Well, I want to be holy. I want to be right before God. Well, it's up to me to make myself holy. I've got to do it more and more. And so we strain and we try to discipline ourselves and we get stressed and we beat ourselves up when we mess things up. Just to be clear, um, we shouldn't get stressed and beat ourselves up unnecessarily. But actually the straining, the, the working is is good. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. No, people often present the Christian uh, walk like, don't strive. Striving is wrong. Well, striving is wrong in one respect, if it's like just relying on your own effort. But no, we should strive in the terms of working hard on things, as we've, we've seen already uh, in this letter. But you read that and, and you can push that too far, or you can get one side of the story. But then you look at this verse here. May the God of peace make you holy. What do we see here? Well, it What we see is it's not just you who is working on your character. God is working on your character too. You might go outside 1 Thessalonians and read some other writings of of Paul's. Say, for example, 2 Timothy 2.15. Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Again, get it. You, you, You take it. You think, well, okay. I need to get myself ready for that day when I were going to meet God. I need to work hard to, to get his approval so that he'll say to me, well done, good and faithful servant. I'm ready. I'm, I'm going to do. I'm going to work. And then you come to this verse and it says, may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. It's not us now keeping ourselves blameless. We're being kept blameless. Who is keeping us blameless? Well, it's God, of course. Yes, we should work to prepare us for that day, to meet our God again, to underline, we should work. That's important. But we recognise, we work recognising he is working to prepare us for that day too. That's just to be clear, it's not like Paul has forgotten this side of things in this letter (laughs) and just like gone at the end, oh quick, I need to just talk about God's work. No, it's been kind of under the surface throughout. For example, uh, in chapter 2, verse 13, I wonder if any of you got this reference in uh, when we went through the, the passage earlier. But he writes about how the Thessalonians accepted the word, the word of God. And he says this, this word continues to work in you who believe. See, it's the same idea. The idea is this. Yes, we are to work, but at the same time, God works. His spirit works. His word works in us and for us and through us. But actually, it's not just enough to know that we've got a partner in our labour to share the load for us. I don't think what Paul's saying is, is it's like you've got to, got to carry a sofa and uh, you find out, oh, good, there's, there's somebody else who's coming to help me and they can also take the load on on their end. That would be good news in in, in that particular job. But that's not just what Paul's saying. There's more to it than that. It's not just that God is working as well, but it's that his work is the decisive work. And that's the second big reveal in these verses, I think. The beginning of verse 24 is really magnificent. God will make this happen. Got to be aware about our work, however hard we work, we cannot guarantee success, can we? There are so many factors outside of our control. But God's work is different to that. God's work never fails and he never gives up on his task. Now, I do know that all of this teaching throws up all sorts of questions. God will make this happen. Well, what happens then about my work? Does it really matter what I do? If God's going to make it happen, can I just sit back and do nothing? Is my work 
at all contributing? And so how how much is it contributing if God's work is so decisive? Um, now, for those of you who like a, a good theological puzzle, um, and if your mind is wired that way, I, I think there is a lot to be gained from thinking through these deep things and trying to put together God's effective work, his decisive work, and our work and our responsibility and how those things interlock together. Um, but I can't help thinking that we can overdo that sometimes. Because when the Bible talks to us about God's kind of what we call his sovereign purposes or his effective work on behalf of his people, I think he's probably talking to more to our spirits and our hearts than to our heads, to our minds. I think he, he would prefer us from, from these sort of passages to go away encouraged and uplifted and empowered, not simply just having a new controversy to ponder or to talk about when we get a bit bored with our brainy friends. So yeah, please do think these things through. But right now, I'm going to really just uh, speak for your heart and hoping the Holy Spirit owns that sort of stuff and his, his word continues to work in us, as Paul says in this letter. And all I'm going to do is I just want to read you some different passages uh, from, the, from the New Testament, which basically underline this fact, this great reveal that the world does not spin on your work, but on God's work. And I just, all I want you to do as I read these, I'm going to give a little bit of commentary in each one and then go on to the next one. But I just want you to drink it in. If you're feeling weary and tired today, I want you to drink this in. I feel there's refreshment from God for you. Let's start in a 1 Corinthians 1 verse 8. This is what Paul writes there. He, that's God, will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. You might be saying now, I, I don't know if I can muster up the strength to keep going. Well, I want to be honest with you. M maybe you can't muster up the strength to keep going. Maybe you're not strong enough for that on your own. But there is someone who can muster up the strength to keep going, and that's God. Soak, soak in Paul's confidence here. He will keep you strong to the end. Let's try another one. Romans chapter 14, verse 4. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. And he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. This whole passage is about, uh, in the Roman church, different people who, uh, just little tiny minutiae of faith they differed on. Like, so you should eat these things and not these things. Or you should celebrate this day and not this day. And, and they were getting in a muddle and they were making those things really, really important and judging people for those things. As if basically God's favour and his blessing on us would depend if we do exactly the right days and eat exactly the right things. And Paul's point is this. No, your ability to stand doesn't depend upon those minutiae. It depends on God who is your father and he he can make you stand. It's, it's dependent on his work. You might be thinking now, look, I feel like I'm going under. I've stood my ground for so long. I feel my knees buckling underneath me. It's just relentless. Listen, your ability to stand is not the issue. The Lord is able to make you stand. And again, drink in Paul's confidence. If you let him help you, you will stand because he will make you stand. I guess we don't just want to stand, do we? We don't want to just about stay standing and not throw in the towels. We, we want our lives to count. We, we want to keep doing good. We want to keep serving others. Well, let's have some other encouragements in that direction. 1 Corinthians again, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10. But whatever I am now, 
It is all because God poured out his special favour on me, Paul writes, and not without results. For I have worked harder than any of the other apostles. He's at it again, worked hard. Oh, thanks, Paul. But listen to what he says. Yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by his grace. For Paul, there was an energy behind the energy. There was a power behind his endurance. He could say, I worked harder than all the apostles. And he's not boasting. He's not being proud because he knows that it was God's power that did it. He readily admits his work rested upon God's work. We're called to work hard. Yes, but we're not called to see success or failure resting ultimately on our work. That is on God. Our work is important. His is decisive. Our work is asked for us. His is assured. Our work is always going to be imperfect. His is perfect. Our work comes second. His work always comes first. And just as Paul wrote to the church in the New Testament with this confidence in God's working work in them, he would say the same to us at Church Central South. As he says in Philippians 1 verse 6, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Now, you know, I might think we're, we're pretty much at the end here and we are pretty much at the end. And I've only looked at these two verses um, and there's loads of other things going on here. But just to finish, I just want to just scan around so you can pick this stuff up later if you want to. Because what's fascinating in this passage is that Paul's mind is all in the same place. It's all on the work of God as he ends uh, 1 Thessalonians. And you can just see in these little references, I'm just going to quickly refer to them before we, we close. Where, where is the reading I, I uh, read before? Where does it start? Well, it started with the spirit, didn't it? And it's no surprise that that's where Paul mind, Paul's mind is going as he gets ready for verse 23 and 24. Because who's the spirit? Well, the spirit is the person of the Trinity that, that represents the active, powerful work of God in our lives. We, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit in all of this stuff. So that's where he starts the spirit, God's work in our lives. Where does he end? Well, he ends with the grace of God. Grace is the undeserved favour of God. The idea that God loves us even despite our shortcomings. The idea that God works in us and for us, even though we haven't pulled our weight ourselves. It's exactly the same idea. And then throughout this passage, he peppers in these other things. He, he, he talks to us about uh, not scoffing at prophecies. He asks for prayer. He highlights the importance of the written scriptures. And in a sense, all of these little things, prophetic encouragements, prayer, the Bible, well, what are they? They're all gifts from God given to us to stir up the work of God in our lives, to take our attention off our own work. But saying, no, I, I need to hear God's voice from, from other people, sometimes, mainly from his, his word. And I need to get to pray and to get others to pray for me because I'm not strong enough uh, to do it on our own, on my own. And please feel free to go through this letter, go through it, meditate on it uh, for other application. But I don't want to end uh, with uh, the detail of application today. I want to end with my, my, my one real aim today, which is to encourage you. And especially I want to speak to those of you who are tired and who are weary at the moment. I don't blame you for being tired and weary. I know that many, many of us are working really hard and have maybe particularly worked hard in the last year. I want to encourage you. Well done. Your work is valuable. Your work is important. Good work. But it doesn't all rest on your work. Please feel that 
pressure lift off your shoulders. Now, it doesn't rest on your work. God is working in you and through you and for you. It rests on his work and he is able to carry that load even when we can't.